doesn't matter. It was just encouraging to hear the noise of brothers and sisters in Christ singing together without music. Because what if, what if it's all taken away? What if it's all taken away? What, what if it, all of it, the, the noise, the, the, musician, the, the, the musicianship of it all, the instruments, the, the sound, the speakers, the air conditioning, what if it's all taken away? Is the word of God revealed in the son of God through the gospel of God enough for you to show up here and sing to King Jesus? We have to answer that question. Because if it's anything else driving us here, you will find a fault to not show up here. If it's emotion, if it's because you like who's speaking, if, if it's because you like the way that we worship, if it's because you like the coffee or you like the way it's set up or you like the way it feels, if it's anything less than King Jesus himself, you'll find a reason to sleep in on a Sunday morning instead of get up and show up and worship him. And church, I want, I, I, our burden, our, your leader's burden here is to be the word of God revealed in the son of God through the gospel of God to drive you here week in and week out. Even if there's music, even if there's nobody else, would you show up here? And by God's grace, yes, I would. Would you? And so what an opportunity for God just to get the glory in our screw up here. Um, man, oh man, that is not in my notes. So, who knows how long this is going to go this morning. Uh, by way of announcements, really quick, if you have been journeying with us, you know where to turn in Matthew 5. We're walking through the Beatitudes. Um, just a few quick announcements. You'll notice just the, the, the changes happening as far as signage up, social distancing up. You'll see some with face masks. You'll see some without. Um, it, it, all we're asking you to do is be adults and use common sense. And, and lead by conviction, and, and, uh, and to give the other the benefit of the doubt, even if it leads you to make different decisions than that other person, just give grace where grace is needed. Um, I think we said it last week, everybody's walking into these doors with something. Everybody is hurting. They have something going on in their life. They're frustrated. They're, they're angry. They're hurting. They're mourning. They're grieving. They're uh, anxious. They're depressed. Whatever it may be, just let's, let's be a people who show grace and give the benefit of the doubt where it's needed, especially in these, um, in these times. Um, and so uh, if you're new here, uh, you can text that number, 97,000, uh, with the phrase new to PCC, new, the number two, PCC, no spaces. Um, text that, and you'll get put in our system. We have a women's Bible study going on on Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. Uh, we have a men's Saturday morning study at 8.30 here uh, we have a quarterly men's gathering coming up December 5th, and so men, put that in the calendar from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. We would love to, to, to see you, to join together, to look at what it means to be a Christ-centered, gospel-driven man. Um, and then uh, a new announcement, uh, November 1st, right after church, right after church, uh, we're going to be doing a trunk or treat out in this side of the parking lot. And so we know that with COVID and all kinds of uh, different things happening that some communities have decided not to do trick-or-treating and some have, and it, it's mixed. Um, and we just want to provide another opportunity uh, on November 1st uh, to go out here right after church. I mean, children, wear your costumes to church gathering. How awesome is that? Uh, and my, Luke right now, let me just say this. My Luke, who's four, wants to go as Elsa. 
uh, I bought him a dino inflatable suit to try and talk him out of that. But if he's, you may see him in an Elsa costume. I don't, I don't know, guys. He's pretty stubborn with that. Um, so it's just going to be fun. November 1st, invite friends and family into that. Even It's a great opportunity to invite friends and with children to come to the church gathering and then say, hey, right after, let's, let's go out. We'll have some hot dogs and, and some light uh, refreshments and some light food. Right, Diana? That the, yeah, thanks. Um, and so if you text right now, if you want to have a trunk that's treated, if you want to have a trunk that's decorated, uh, and, and that is you, you're like, man, I want to provide that. Uh, if you text the number 97,000 with the phrase PCC trunk, no spaces, no capitals, PCC trunk, it will put you in our system to know that, hey, I want my car to be decorated out there. If you can't uh, do that or you can do that and you want to add candy to Derek's candy fund, I mean the candy fund for the trunk or treat, uh, there will be a bin outside in the sanctuary or right outside in the hallway right underneath the connect desk of, uh, of candy donations that we would gladly accept. So if you can't uh, contribute in that way with your car, uh, contribute with candy and uh, investigate my office. You all have the right to look in my office to see if I took something. The answer is yes, I did. Um, but go ahead. All right. Uh, and then lastly, we have a sign up directly out um, in the hallway for our PCC kids. You'll notice and you'll hear that kids are in our gathering this morning. And you'll continue to hear that uh, until we, as a body, who, who exists not for ourselves, but for the sake of the edification of the saints in Christ, uh, join together and serve together at, down at PCC Kids. And so if that is you, if you're feeling compelled in that way, man, we'd love to uh, just have you sign up out there or text uh, the, that number, 97,000, with the phrase PCC Kids. And just say, I don't know where, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm willing, I'm able, I want to serve the body uh, and that means you who have already signed up and been involved in PCC Kids, you do need to re-sign up. So some of you have been serving for like three years. Three years. You've got to be exhausted. Here's your out. Let me just tell you that. If you're tired and you need a refreshment, you know, just a, re- a time of restoration just to get back into it, um, you don't have to sign up. Um, but those of you who haven't, who've received the gifts of PCC Kids um, and the gifts of just being uh, with kids. We have a chance to train kids up to not find their identity in the world, but to find their identity in Christ. So when the world doesn't give them what they're looking for, they look to Jesus for that, source, so, that sole source of fulfillment, of life, of joy. And so, man, what a gift it is to have kids in this noise, in this room. If they get squirmy, go out in the foyer. We have a uh, live stream on there. We have a live stream on in the um, in the quiet room, straight out the door. Um, just be aware of that as well. All right, gosh, that was a marathon. Anything else? Okay, let me pray, read God's word, and dive in. Father, we love you. Thank you for the gift of your body, your church, your family that you have created in and through your son, through the power of the gospel, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in us, open our eyes to see you, Jesus, in your word, to unpack it in such a way that you, oh God, that you pierce hearts, that you open ears, that you give sight to the blind, that you release the prisoner from our slavery. So Jesus, we invite you here. We ask you to move, and Holy Spirit, 
I invite you to preach a way better sermon than I ever could. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Matthew 5, verse 1. I pray that you have it in front of you on your phone. There's Bibles underneath the chairs. Verse 1. When he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Verse 11, you are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven, for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. And what, we, what we've been walking through and what we've titled this series is the, the Beatitudes, the Upside Down Kingdom. And what we've been walking through is the whole point of the Beatitudes and even the, just the, the Sermon on the Mount that the Beatitudes find themselves in is not that we can, but that Christ can. See, the, the whole point, and, and, and stay in Matthew 5, and I just want to make this point and go to Luke 18 with me. The, the whole point of, of the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, the whole point of even the book of James, the whole point of the Ten Commandments, the whole point of every law of God is not that you have enough power in and of yourself to do this, but you in me do. So let me, let me put it like this, and Jesus puts it way better than I can. Luke 18, verse 27. Those who heard this asked, so Jesus just gave them uh, a, a, a saying of, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they asked, who, who, those who heard asked, then who can be saved? Verse 27, Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So the, the, back to Matthew 5, the life that Jesus commands us, the life that God commands us to live is the life that Jesus empowers us to live. He doesn't call you into a life that you can live on your own by your own strength. He calls you to into a life in which you can't live apart from him. And that's the greatest news ever because he's given us himself in the good news of the gospel. So in, in the Beatitudes, Jesus is telling us, you can't do this apart from me. You have no hope to live this kind of life apart from a life found and empowered by me. In his most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus preaches about our need for him because it's only in him that every need of ours is met. It's only in him that our greatest need, communion with the Father, is met. It's only in him that we can stand before a holy God. These then are not conditions for entry into the kingdom of God, but rather descriptions of what the kingdom of God is like. Make sure that distinction is clear. 
Otherwise, you'll just be thinking, blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, then I just need to be poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Well, I just need to mourn more. Blessed are the humble or the meek. Well, I just need to be a little bit more humble. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Well, I just need to do that a little bit more. And the whole point is you can't apart from Christ. The life that he commands of you is the life that he empowers you to live. Man, oh man. So, Jesus starts out his most famous sermon, and he starts out with a bang, and he says, poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, those who know their need. Church, do you know your need this morning? Do you know that your breath that you are breathing right now is a gift given by God? Do you know your need this morning? And then he goes on and he says, Blessed are the mourners, those, those who see sin for what it is, who don't wash over it, who don't excuse it or make excuses for it. Blessed are those who mourn. Do you make excuses? Or are you mourning? You're so quick to make excuses for your sin. Are you mourning? You're so, the, the fast pace that you're living in which you just wash over the things that God calls evil. Are you mourning that in yourself? Because I am. And then he says this, blessed are the humble. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who see the world as upside down because you're then right side up. Jesus's words then here shape us. They rub against us. They change us. They expose me. They expose us. But in no way will these words, as we've been saying, have, have the effect, the intended effect that, that Christ intended for them to have if you think that you know better. No, in no way can this happen if you think that you know better. The beginning of the gospel awakening, of you coming alive to the good news of the hope found in Christ, is understanding that you don't know better, and that you need help. Because the kingdom of heaven then, if you look in Matthew 6, verse 10, Jesus has this prayer for us to model our lives after, uh, prayer for us to model after he himself. It says in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the kingdom of heaven then is not uh, for those who enter, who, the kingdom of heaven is not um, through a group of people who think they know better, but rather through a group of people who know they don't. The kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven will not come through proud people, but through humble, lowly, poor in spirit people. I don't know about you, the kingdom of heaven will not come through people who have their lives together, but through people who admit that they don't. And I don't know about you, but for me, that is the greatest news that I have ever heard in my life. You mean to tell me that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is for those who try and try and try and have failed and failed and failed and know they fail and stop trying? And the answer is yes. The kingdom of heaven is for you who know your need. The kingdom of heaven is for you who have no other hope but Jesus, who are empowered to live new in Jesus. It doesn't mean you give up trying. It just means you give up trying by your own effort. So Jesus starts out his, the most famous sermon preached by the most famous man ever that ever lived 
and the most powerful man, and he said the word blessed. And that, that word blessed, remember, if you're taking notes, means otherworldly. It means an inner satisfaction and sufficiency that did not depend on outward circumstances. It, it's what the Lord offers to those who trust him is a blessedness. The Sermon on the Mount then, remember, treats not salvation, but of character and conduct to those who believe and belong to Christ. So it's literally then impossible, make sure this is clear before we dive in, for a natural person, one who has not staked their claim in Christ, one who has not put their hope in Christ, it's literally impossible for a natural man to fulfill his teachings. Only one who is born again and filled with the Holy Spirit has the supernatural ability to not just hear the words of Jesus regarding these ethical principles, but also acting upon these ethical principles. So in, in the church, let me just... Let me just make sure this is, this is heard correctly. In the church, we like the idea of being right without the obedience of doing right. We like theology. We like doctrine. We like going deep into the depths as we should, as we should study that, as we should be, have depth to our faith. We like the idea of winning arguments, but we don't like the idea of afflicting ourselves with obedience. When push comes to shove, when that rubs against me, I don't like it. Do you? When it rubs against you, when it's friction, when it's like, oh, that doesn't feel right, Jesus. It rubs us. And the moment that Jesus' words stop rubbing us is the moment that you have stopped listening to Jesus. And so Jesus comes in and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. He's, he's saying, there's this mountain you have to scale, the heights you have to climb. And the first thing that you must realize as you look at that mountain at which you are told you must ascend, is that you cannot do it, that you are utterly incapable in and of yourself, and that any attempt to do it on your own strength is proof positive that you have not truly understood it. It condemns at the very outset the view which regards it as a program for man to put into operation immediately just as he is. And that's from A.W. Tozer. And he also goes on and he says, that describes, the Beatitudes describe the opposite attitudes in which the world values most. So, the world says congratulations to the entitled, for the world lies at their feet. The world says congratulations to the carefree, for they shall be comfortable. The world says congratulations to the pushy, for they shall get ahead. The world says congratulations to the greedy, for they shall climb the food chain. Congratulations to the vengeful, for they shall be feared. Congratulations to those who don't get caught, for they shall look good. Congratulations to the argumentative, for they shall get in the last word. And congratulations to the popular, for this world lies at their feet. And as Ray Ortland says, God applauds the poor in spirit. He cheers the mourners. He favors the meek. He smiles upon the hungry. He honors the merciful. He welcomes the pure in heart. He claps for the peacemakers, and he rises to greet the persecuted. It's, it's what Jesus says in Matthew 16. Stay planted in Matthew 5. We'll get there. Just have some prefacing to do. Matthew 16, verse 26 The world says one thing, and Jesus tells us another. If we don't understand that, we'll miss the very heart of Jesus here. We'll miss the whole point. The world is telling us a different gospel. 
It, the world is telling us a different way of life, and Jesus comes in the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount and says, no, 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 no. This is the way to life, not that. Don't believe that lie. That leads to death. Matthew 16, verse 26. We'll start in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. And then verse 26. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world, yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? Jesus is saying, to gain the entire world and to not have me is to possess nothing, but to have me and not have anything else is to have life and life to the fullest. We have a choice then as we enter back into Matthew 5. We can either have the approval of the world or we can have the approval of God. But you can't have both. You have the choice then this morning, you and I, because remember who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to uh, a multitude of different people, the Pharisees, the Essenes, the Sadducees, the men, the women, the children, the believers, the non-believers, the disciples are there, and the multitude of people are with him. And he's telling them, you can either live your life for the approval of other people or from the approval of God, but you can't have both. Hmm. Let me repeat that. You can either live your life for the approval of other people. I wish I would have known this. I'm, I'm not, I wish as a 15-year-old kid I would have understood this. I could either live my life to seek the satisfaction and approval and affirmation of others, or, or I can live my life from the approval of God given to me by his son, Jesus. But church, we can't have both. And Jesus is saying here, he's saying the world is going to tell you something else. And if you want uh, just a reference there, John 12, 43 is a, is a great reference. Uh, uh, living for approval or living from approval. Just please, yeah, turn there, have eyes there. But there is no higher blessing than, than, than to have the approval of God. And yet, here we are, settling for and seeking after the approval of man. When we have all the approval we could ever need in the entire cosmos in Christ through the good news of the gospel, why would we seek approval anywhere else? And maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. Because I do. Why do I need to seek approval from my spouse when I have the approval of God in his son? It puts a weight on her that she cannot bear. And, and maybe you name, you fill in the blank then. So Jesus is starting out and he's discipling us on what it means to live in light of his kingdom. And he starts out, blessed are the poor in spirit. And here he is. He's proclaiming his kingdom. And why? Because for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Verse 3 of Matthew 5. He's proclaiming his kingdom and he's not saying, here's a three-step program for the strong. But rather, it's good news for all. He's not starting out saying, here's my kingdom. It's only for the strong and the proud. No, he's saying, it's for anyone. It's for anyone who's willing to accept 
the fact that they have a need. It's good news. This is the reality that there's a kingdom where all the sick, all the suffering, all the demonized, the disabled, the foreigners, and all the outcasts, everyone is welcome. It's not a kingdom you have to create or build. It's a kingdom that you have to receive because I, the king, have come, and the kingdom is good news. (laughs) So here at the very beginning of his sermon, Jesus flings the doors open to all the poor in spirit. But though, as he flings the door open to all those who know their need, he's simultaneously shutting the doors to those who are proud. To those who don't think this is for them. To those who know or who think that they can scale the mountain on their own. He shuts the door and says, it's not for you. The Christ kingdom, my kingdom is for the weak. It's the needy, the sick. It's available to you. You can change your ways and you can receive it. But the entryway in is for you to see your need. Oh, man. So do you see your need this morning? Do you know it? Like, even this week, have you tried to get your act together and you still can't? Like, have you tasted and felt your need? Turn with me to Mark chapter 2 quickly. This is, this is so imperative, so important that we understand this. There's a reason why Jesus started out this way. Mark 2, verse 17. When Jesus heard this, he told them, It is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners. But sinners, do you know your need? Do you know your sickness? Do you know your poverty before God? Can you feel it? Can you taste it? And let me just land the plane. Have you tried to get your life together and failed over and over and over and over again? Have you said, I'm never going to do this again. I'm not going to respond that way again. I'm not going to get angry again. I'm not going to be so selfish. And yet the next week you find yourself being selfish. And you're hyper aware. You're hyper sensitive. You have it tasted on your mouth. If that is so, then you're here this morning and you know your need. And what's available for you is a life and identity in Christ that's not working from your efforts, but working from love. Not working from your approval of God, or for your approval of God, but from it. So Jesus starts out and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. By the way, that's why there's a six foot gap right here, because I get excited and start spitting. So poverty of the spirit is what is opposite of what the world puts forth. And then he goes on and he says in verse four, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn for you will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn their sin and the brokenness around them because they feel, they know, and identify the effects of sin. Blessed are those who mourn because of the reality of sin and the weightiness of the brokenness of this life around them. Because why did Jesus go from blessed are the poor in spirit to blessed to those who mourn? Because if you don't, listen, there's an intentional order to these. Because if you don't have a mournful spirit about the brokenness your own brokenness and the brokenness of the world, then there's nothing longing in you for it to be made right. And then no joy in you when you find out that in Christ everything is being renewed, that everything is being made right. 
Things are being made new. Things will be made new fully and finally and ultimately. So one thing, as John Stott says, to have confession. It's another thing to have contrition. You can be sorry for the things you've said and done and still not have a contrition to change your ways. You can be sorry you got caught, but not sorry you did it. I can be. And, and, and Jesus is coming in here and saying, no, no, you mourn that. You mourn the desire in you to always be right with no obedience on the back end. You mourn that. You grieve that. That's one for me. Just FYI, I like to be right. I like to win arguments. Because I can. Do you see that? Do you see the evil? And like, do you, like, and, and Jesus is saying, that is so sinful, brother. It doesn't define you. I define you. But do you mourn that? I hate that in me, church. I hate it. I hate the fact that that, that infiltrates my, my marriage, that infiltrates how I lead here, that infiltrates my friendships. I hate it. Do you, do you hate those things in you, like the, the evil, wicked things in you? Do you mourn it? And you say, who's going to save me from this wretched body? And like Paul in Romans 7, blessed be the Lord God Almighty. He's gonna, he has done it. It's available to us. But do you, do you mourn it? Do you hate it? Man, you, you see that. It's, it's, because in order to see the cross as something done for you, you must see it as something done by you. So Jesus starts out and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Because then you can begin to mourn your own sin. Then it is there that you begin to see the reality of what sin has done between you and your Father in heaven and others around you. As a byproduct. It separates you from your dad, your creator, from how it was supposed to be. And then we get to Matthew 5. And you're like, man, oh man, Jesus, give us a break here. And he goes and he, and he verse 5, blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, another translation, meek, gentle, humble, considerate, courteous. Where we live in a dog-eat-dog world where the strong eat the weak, right? Fortune favors the brave and the proud and the talented. Only the strong survive, right? That's the world we live in. But according to this, apparently not. According to Jesus, there's a better way to live. According to Jesus, we and the world are wrong. You see how it rubs up against us? Jesus is saying, at the end of the day, blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. At the end of the day, the end of all history, emerging from the tension of a million different forces at work, one group will emerge with an absolute dominion and inherit the earth. And who is it? The meek. Meekness is that temper of spirit in which we accept God's dealing with us as good, and therefore we don't dispute it, therefore we don't, therefore we don't resist it, therefore we don't rage our fist at God, but we, we receive it. It's closely linked, then, why we translate it with humble, it's closely linked with the word humility. It's the gentleness of strength, not mere softness. The Greek word for meek was also used to describe an animal which has been domesticated, trained, to obey the word, 
That's such a cool connection there. It was used, that word meekness in the, in the Greek then was used to describe a domesticated animal. It's referenced in James 3 where the conundrum of we can tame all of these animals, but we can't even tame our tongue. And, and Jesus uses this word meekness. It's a word for which an animal has learned to accept control that's outside of themselves. It's such as the taming of a wild horse. The meek man then has a strength of self-control. He has his passions and his anger under control. He knows when it's the proper time to be angry at that which is wrong or unjust or goes against the ways of Jesus and when not to be angry. Ruling your spirit is meekness. It takes great strength to have self-control and self-discipline, doesn't it? Proverbs 16, 32. Let's turn there quickly. Verse 32 in Proverbs 16. Uh, for, the, for the older folks in the room, though, don't overlook verse 31. I'll let that one sit for a moment. I'll read it. Verse 31, gray hair is a glorious crown. It is found in the ways of righteousness. So your gray hairs are a gift. It, it, it reveals something. And then verse 32, patience is better than power in controlling one's emotions than capturing a city. Patience is better than power. Patience is, uh, meekness is better than power. It is, con- it is, in controlling one's emotions is better than power. It's better than capturing a city, overrunning a city. It's not a quality of the life of that person who exhibits meekness, but a way of life. If you, if you look at Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, briefly, Chapter 12, so Numbers are part of the Torah, first five books of the Bible. Chapter 12. Beginning in verse 2, they said, does the Lord speak only through Moses? Does he not also speak through us? And the Lord heard it. And Moses was a very humble man, more so than anyone on the face of the earth, very humble. It's the same word for that word, meek man. So, so Moses, this, this man who God used mightily in the freeing front of the Israelite people from slavery and the leading of, of God's people, he was the meekest man on the earth. Back to Matthew 5. And remember, Moses is there to point us to the true and better Moses, Jesus. And, and so we see Jesus, and he intentionally... Uh, stacks these be attitudes in the logical order that, that he gives us. And so we see poverty of the spirit. Look at that, verse three. Poor in spirit is a recognition and acknowledgement of one's spiritual bankruptcy apart from God. And, and Jesus naturally leads us to a state of mourning over living a life of independent of God's good and perfect will. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be Comforted. So the poverty of spirit, the poor in spirit, leads to a mourning over our, our waywardness in a lifestyle which grieves the heart of the Father, but from which flows then, once we understand what our sin has done, then what flows is a genuine meekness established in the heart by the comfort of the contrite sinner receives. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit 
the earth. The earth. And here's where we begin to see these interconnectedness. A man can never be meek unless he's poor in spirit. A man can never be meek unless he has seen himself as a vile sinner and mourns that. These other things must come first before we can live a lifestyle of meekness. A humble self-forgetfulness, if you will. Those who are self-forgetful, those who are humble, don't think less of themselves. This is Tim Keller. But, but think of themselves less often. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. You have the imago Dei. You are valued in the eyes of God beyond measure. You have purpose. You have a vision. You have a mission for your life given by God. You are not not valued by God. Poor in spirit does not equal that. But true humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less often. You put others before yourself. You think of others before your own self. So God leads them to a gentleness, a trust in God that leads them to a calmness, an awareness of God's provision, a sovereignty in all of life. Why can a dog be tamed? Why can a horse be tamed by someone? Because they know that their owner is going to give them the life and provide for them. They know that food's going to be on at 3.30 p.m. They know that they're going to wake up and at 6 a.m. there's going to be food in the bowl. They know that they trust that, that their owner is going to provide. That's why this word meekness is so good. And I just did this. Uh, we're going to release this uh, story of a, a couple's marriage in, in uh, the next coming weeks. And we, I'm sitting right there filming this story. And, and without going into the details of it, what got them through the hardships of, of, of marriage, divorce, reconciliation, pain, anger, selfishness, what got them through was this phrase that just kept going back into uh, this, the husband's uh, mind. And he, and he kept saying, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I did know we were going to be okay. And I'm talking years after years of not getting what that person desired, years after years, six years of separation from the love of his life. Didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if I was going to get my bride back, but I did know one thing. I'm going to be okay, and so are they. <laughs> you see that? that? That restful confidence in God being God and us receiving the goodness of God. Do you see that? It leads us into a gentleness it leads us into a, a firm, confident meekness. We don't have to be strong. For when we are weak, then we are strong. You see the paradoxical nature of what Jesus is giving us here? It rubs against the world. He's teaching us and shaping us and flipping what the world says upside down. The world says meekness is a weakness. Jesus says, no, stay there. Stay right there. The earth will be yours. You will inherit it. I promise you that. I've secured that day. One, one, we also need to really quickly keep the historical context in mind when we're interpreting the meaning of this, this phrase here. Remember that Jesus is speaking primarily to Jews in this sermon. Remember that it's, it's his first major message as the messianic king to come. Can you imagine what they expected Jesus to say in the Jewish crowd? Can you imagine, like, just put yourself there. They're expecting this king. They're expecting this savior to overrun the Roman Empire. And they come, and they're listening to their, their rabbis, their, their savior, the, mes, the, the Messiah. 
They're waiting for him. And what does he say? Blessed are the poor in spirit. And they're like, no, that's not it. And then, and then it keeps getting better. Blessed are those who mourn. No way. I'm not going to shed a tear. I'm stoic. Right? Blessed, and then he keeps going. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble. Nothing could have come uh, to them as more of a shock than these eight beatitudes. But this one, the third one, was probably most shocking. How much further from their expectation of a materialistic military kingdom could Jesus' statement have been? They expected a Messiah to come. They did not anticipate this kind of Messiah. They didn't understand the power of weakness. The idea of a meek Messiah leading meek people was far from anyone's understanding. They understood military power, didn't they? They knew that. They understood power by pride and strength and uprightness. But they didn't quite understand the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. So let's turn there quickly. Verse 3, Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains, but we in turn regarded him as stricken. Struck down by God and afflicted, but he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb. Like a lamb led to slaughter and like a sheep silent before her shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment. And who considered his fate? Stop there. They expected a military rule to come through a mighty warrior. And instead, Jesus comes as the predicted, longed after suffering servant. And he doesn't save the world. He doesn't redeem the world by way of his power and by way of his might through the blood of other men. He redeemed the world through his own blood. How could he do that? Because he fully God, fully human, trust, power. He, a, he trusted his sovereign, he trusted his dad. He only did what his dad said he can do. He only said what his dad said he can say. He only followed the will of his father. He trusted fully God, fully man. Took our sins upon the cross. He died the death that we deserved. How can someone do that for one another? Because it has to come from a trust. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who don't trust their own lives, blessed are those who don't trust their own organizing, blessed are those, rather, the blessed, blessed. Approval of God is the very reverse of what the world is saying. So, as we land the plane, as I end, I have to end. Goodness, told you. As we land the plane... If you find yourself living more like the world 
then like Jesus, you have nothing to offer the world. If you find in yourself an agreement with more of the world's ways than Christ's ways, if you're like, no, 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 I agree more with what the world says is power, I agree more with what the world says is getting ahead, I agree more with what the world says than, than brother and sister, I would ask you to go back to your faith. I would ask you to go back and, say, and look to Jesus and say, is this what he called you into, an agreement with the world? Because you can't have the approval of the world and the approval of the Father. So choose one. Choose one. Because the world is the thing that's upside down, not Jesus. He's come to put the world right, right side up. So church, everything around us then will tell us, will tell our hearts, will tell our flesh, will tell our eyes, will tell our homes and our kids and your own life, assert yourself, raise yourself up, take power, take control, take what you can get because the weak will lose. And Jesus comes in and says, not true. Not true. The meek will inherit the earth. The lowly one is Lord. Jesus is Lord. The way up is the way down. The future belongs to Christ and those who follow him. So Lord, help us to live this way. Help us to live in light of Revelation 7. I'll pray and we'll sing. Revelation 7, verse 17. So. uh John's vision given by God of a future reality, a new uh, heaven, a new earth where Jesus is reigning and ruling. And verse 17 just comes in and says, For the Lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to the springs of waters of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We live as a reversed people in light of the future. This is our future reality. This is our future truth. We are living in light of this truth. So wherever you're at, I pray that you would understand the acceptance of the Father giving to us in Christ, the good news of the gospel that says you don't need to clean yourself up, you need to let me do that for you. You don't need to make your life right, let me do that for you. You don't need to exert more effort, it is finished, I have I have paid every debt that you deserve to pay on the cross. All you must do is receive and live in light of me, dying for you, living for you, dying for you, and conquering the grave for you. There's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no sins that aren't paid for. It's available to each one of us this morning, right now, to turn from agreement with the world and living in light of what God has done in his son. And what must you do? You must see your need. And so I'm going to ask for 30 seconds right just now. Wherever you're at, we do this. We open our hands, a posture of receiving. You don't have to open your hands. It's just what I do. We just listen to God and we'll sing. Just what is he saying? What's he calling you to? Where, where have you uh, agreed with him but not lived in light of him? Show us, God. So 30 seconds of silence and kids' noises and we'll sing.
So, Father, we look to you, one who gives us grace upon grace upon grace and gifts upon gifts upon gifts. I pray that we would be a people who understand our need for you, our soul's longing for you. We would be hyper aware of our sickness apart from you, Christ, and that we would run to you. We wouldn't, we wouldn't work our way to you. We would sprint to you to fall down at your feet to worship you, that knowing full well that everything that we need, everything we long for, everything that we desire in this life is found in you, in you alone. So we are listening to you move in ways that we can't understand. And wherever you go, we'll follow. Help us to be a lowly people a meek people, a humble people because of your sovereignty, oh God. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus Christ, amen. Let's stand and let's sing.